dun, 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 Wait, shit. This is the Avengers podcast, not the Game of Thrones podcast. Oh, you got me. Ah, oh, God damn it. No, you should be happy, Greg, right? Maybe? Yeah, I'm really happy to think about something other than that show for an hour or so because it just gets in my, my head and I can't stop. <laughs> um... But no, we're going to talk about uh, the last ever Marvel movie, the series finale of Marvel shows. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they're done, right? This is mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Last can... one. Yep. Okay. Um, so like we've been doing with movie reviews, we should guess how the other one liked the movie. Okay. I want you to go first this time. You want me to go first. So I know because you and I have been talking about this and we've been trying not to spoil our our individual views to each other um you know before we get on the mic but you've been telegraphing that you have thoughts and you're not entirely pleased um so with that context i'm gonna say you feel like you have a lot of issues with the mechanics of how all this came together and you don't feel like it really stuck the landing or really like paid off on um the character stories okay uh for me i think that your problems with this movie were mostly mechanical and that it was just it, that it was maybe a little overindulgent self-indulgent a little maybe some things didn't land you i think you still probably enjoyed it uh but i think you might have thought the pacing was a little off and that the fan service might have gone a little a little over the top but i still think you you liked it overall Okay, so we'll go in reverse order because I know you are busting with thoughts on this movie. Um, I think you're, you were correct in guessing my observations, but maybe off on my reaction. And But I also don't think that you were wrong to make the guesses you made. Uh, I definitely noticed all the fan service, but I also found myself saying, no, you know what? You guys earned all this fan service. If anybody has earned the ability to do this, it's you guys. Um, I honestly was not bothered at all by the mechanical fuzziness of the time travel hijinks. Um, I didn't love this movie because I still feel like it could have done more, better, somehow. I haven't really figured out what the hell this movie was, but... I found it very, very entertaining and um, pretty close to the payoff that was possible. All right. And for me, ironically, the things you thought I didn't like were the things I did like. Huh. Uh, I very much enjoyed this movie. And it took me a little bit to figure out why I left feeling a little disappointed or let down. Part of it could just be the the broader just like, oh, it's, it's kind of over. Even though we know we're not more Marvel, like this experiment has come to a conclusion yes right uh but i realized what i was doing the whole time i was comparing every single thing in this movie to infinity war Mm -hmm. which i have come you know i've said a million times i really liked it but now i've come to think that like that movie is really really good and so tight and so well made so anything that didn't stand up to that in this because they were filmed at the same time and kind of the same story so i think it's very natural for me to compare those two as opposed to maybe comparing you know avengers one in this movie or avengers one and captain america you know like any sort of combination made by the same people with the same people at the same time they felt like it didn't feel like they was necessarily this that that was the case to me and i'll go 
you know, we'll go into why. But I, I want to, I do want to, like, obviously get in front of it and say, like, I really like this movie. I mean, it, it had a lot to do, and I think that it, you know, nearly. It's like when the gymnasts land, but then they kind of stumble a little bit, like one yeah. foot. It's like okay, like you know, you lose you lose a couple points for that, but you still didn't fall on your face. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I think obviously the comparison to Infinity War is warranted, and because this movie positions itself as like this is the other half of the story. This is you know, it is intentionally putting itself in the same bin with Infinity War. It is a direct sequel to it, and it even goes out of its way to mirror a lot of scenes and moments. So generally, I try to evaluate a movie on its own terms, but I feel like this movie's terms involve Infinity War, and this movie's term involves the previous 10 years of this series. Um... This movie is not asking to be evaluated as a standalone thing. Um, so I think that's why one of the reasons why, because I was kind of thinking about this and trying to how, just like I couldn't even think of like a way to look at this movie to evaluate it because it's such a weird thing um, in the context of like other movies like this thing really exists in its own kind of term and terms and you kind of need to come up with a new way of evaluating a movie to evaluate this movie and uh, um but because i kind of had to throw all my rules for you know evaluating a movie out the window like maybe that's why i'm giving I'm, i like this so much yeah i mean i think it makes sense i mean like one of the things i have felt walking away from this movie was that man if you don't if you aren't all in on this universe i don't know how you like this movie like yeah. personally like i, I mean I think you could watch a lot of people can sit down and watch an MCU movie and be like, oh, yeah, I liked it. You know, if like you're kind of open minded into this into action movies and that kind of thing. But I don't think you do that with this movie. Like, sure, all the others are going to be, you know, enhanced by, you know, knowing the background and being more familiar with the characters. Maybe some character moments might not land, but like there was very little action in this movie up until the end. And most of it was just referencing previous things or cash you know finally cashing in on things not like those things aren't negative but just like it's all just within its own context and i don't know how you like this movie if you're not like a mcu fan yeah this is so that's interesting um and i think that that's one of the really daring things that these last two movies have done is they've really said like oh no you're only going to enjoy this if you've seen the other ones. We're going to assume you've seen the other ones. And um, this is really, this this movie is really designed for the people who have been watching it. This movie is a reward for having sat and paid attention to everything that came before. Um, and that's very unusual for a movie. It's kind of the first time they've tried it. I mean, obviously, this is the kind of way you would do a series finale for a TV show that this is all payoff for the fans. This is not, you know, we're not, um, you know, we're not going to create any new fans for Star Trek The Next Generation with this series finale, right? Like, the entire job of this is to pay off on the story we've told and to pay off for the fans of this series. So we've never seen a movie kind of take that approach before. Movies have generally reserved some space and exposition for okay if this is your first star wars movie here's where we are you know mm -hmm. um this movie doesn't do that which is interesting but it works 
Yeah, and you know, I, I think it is daring. I think that its success is going to allow, even though I think that, and you know, we'll get to this, but I think that Marvel's going to, you know, for lack of a better term, decentralize for a little bit. You know, I don't yes. think it's going to be quite as, you know, I think it'll all still fit and be cohesive, but I don't think it's going to be this like very driven story driving towards a particular end, at least for a little while. But I think that they're this. The success of this is going to embolden them to do even more reliant, for lack of a better term. Like, you know, they said these new shows they're coming out are going to be much more connected and, you know, directly connected and in control of the same people making things with the same actors mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. So I think it will, you know, I, I've been saying for years in this show, like, I'm excited for the next level of entertainment where the the line between movie and TV is is getting increasingly blurred. And I think we're about to really hit that in stride here. Yeah, um, and I think that this idea of decentralized and the central um, story, and I think that Movie Bob has a pretty good analysis of this, where he says that the Marvel movies, the, their great magic trick is making you think that there is an overarching story, when what's really happening is it's a bunch of self-contained stories that sometimes have some shared elements. Um, but really it's a bunch of self-contained things that occasionally cross over. Um, it's really only been this coherent plot line for just Infinity War and Endgame. Right. Um, but it's always been kind of decentralized. Um, but they've done a great job of making it really feel like it's not. Uh, but that's just kind of an aside. Um, I know we're going to talk a little bit about the what comes next speculating. Um, although I know we're going to get there. But I will say that one of the things that is really refreshing about coming out the other side of Endgame, and maybe it's because the other 90% of my brain is in Game of Thrones mode right now, but it is so refreshing to not be speculating about what comes next because there's not really anything to go on. Uh And to just be like, oh no, we can just sit with, you know, what we've had already and we can just look back on those things and think about what they did well and, you know, enjoy them for what they were and not be thinking about the bigger picture and how this adds up and what are the clues and what do we think is going to happen? And it's kind of nice to just be like, no, we, we know what happened. We mm-hmm. got to the end of that story and we can be happy with how it ended or not. But like just having that closure is really nice and realizing that like in so many of these long running things, like we haven't had a moment like this in a lot of our kind of big entertainment properties right now where we can just kind of be like, oh, no, we're done here. That was nice. You know? Yeah. Like, you know, the quality was more or less kept to a certain standard. And it kind of showed that, man, you made 22 movies and people will disagree. But in my opinion, even the worst of those is just like a solid action movie. Like, you know, solid popcorn movie. Yeah. Um, You know, where a lot of other, you know, attempts at even just sequel stuff, you know, DC or Transformers or whatever, like they seem to be able to get they can get past like one or two before just completely shitting the bed. <laughs> it's true. So like that's accomplishment in itself, right? Now some of that is maybe playing a little safe, but I, I really do think this, you know, as we're talking about right now, like this experiment took some big risks and, and tried some really new things that I don't think anyone else would like this is this is the first time it's, it's ever happened and might be the last, you know, I don't know if yeah. we're going to try this. Like, it's, it's a big, like, I feel like a lot of movie executives still are going to be like, mm, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, and I think there's valid questions about, um, can you make it work again? Mm-hmm. 
you know, what was because one of the reasons this worked was because the audience was looking for something like this. And I think there's a there's a very valid question to ask of, okay, um, in 2009, the movie going audience was made up of this group of people who wanted this kind of thing. In 2019, the movie audience has shifted. And are they looking for, do we want another 20 movie extended universe that's going to take 10 years to complete? Do people want, you know, do we want to do it again? Where do we want to do some other thing? I mean, I think there's there's lessons to be learned from Star Wars that maybe you just can't do Star Wars anymore the way you used to do it. And maybe that you also can't do it in the extended universe kind of way of minor movies and major movies and they're always coming out. Maybe Maybe this was a one-time thing. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think that the demographic shifting, I think there's still, quote unquote, there's still time, right? Like, I think that this this and other things, you know, like just the popularity of nerd bullshit, this and Game of Thrones and these kind of things, like the the life these things have taken on in the internet, on the internet, you know, in speculations and, and their own Reddit, subreddits and like, you know, Twitter and all these different places. Some of it annoys the shit out of me as we discussed yesterday, mm-hmm. but like that really, that's not going anywhere. And I don't know what the generation that's growing up right now you know the kids that are like 15 16 like i don't understand them but even though you had said a couple episodes ago about something about how like the next phase of marvel won't be made for us like we're still a pretty big demographic and i still think that like yeah there's still a market that is going to be in this until the the goddamn end you know we will be 70 sitting there be Could like be. oh movie 89 yes <laughs> but that's but but that's also if if it is movie 89 versus you know, movie 22 of phase four. Right. Um, and I think that it's possible that they are also considering maybe it's not as many movies. Maybe it is a lot more TV shows and um, other things that tie in because look, if the larger cinematic universe is going to force some people to maybe go see Thor two that otherwise wouldn't go see Thor two, mm-hmm. you know, would it also compel them to watch a TV show that maybe they otherwise wouldn't be interested in because they know it ties in play a video game because they know it ties in. Um, you know? Yeah. There's gotta be, there's obviously a limit of what will stretch people. Sure. And, and I, people ha- hit it. I think there's a lot of people who like, you know, ask me like, Oh, what movies do I need to watch to go see this? Or I didn't really like that. Is this important? It's like, no, like, you know, there's always yeah. that line, but I think, but, but I think there's, I think that they are thinking about is the next stage of Marvel, of MCU, is it going to be the same model of, you know, single hero adventures capping out at about three movies per hero, punctuated by big crossover movies every two to three years? Or is it big crossover movies and everybody else gets a TV show except for these four marquee characters? I really don't, I really like, I don't know. And I don't think they know either. And um, I'm interested to see what they do next. Because I think if they just try to just follow the same pattern and just say like, okay, we're going to need our new, um, you know, uh, we're going to start this new one with, uh, you know, Peter Parker is our new Iron Man. So here we go. And we're just going to introduce new heroes and we're going to build up our team. And, you know, we're going to do four big Avenger movies and over the next 10 years. I don't yeah. know. Well, let's I have some thoughts, but let's uh, let's pause okay. and, and jump into the actual movie. Right. We did. This, there was a movie we saw. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, there was a movie we saw. 
See, we're falling for it, Greg. We're already thinking about what's coming in the future. I know, and I really <laughs> promised myself I wouldn't. All right, so um, overall, for me, I really enjoyed this plot, like the actual plot machinations. Mm-hmm. I think they handled time travel in like a pretty tight and fresh way and stayed sort of consistent. There's some broader plot ramifications that are picky, and I want to get there because I need to tell, I need to scream at the internet about something for a okay. little bit, and not to be mad at the movie, to be bad at, mad at the internet. Um, but it, it's when you're doing a time travel, it's impossible to make it completely pot, pothole free because it is inherently paradox, paradoxical. It's just how it works. Yes. Um, but I thought they, they they put some rules in that will that fit for this movie and also are good for the broader fabric of this universe. Um, the first 30 minutes in this movie were fucking awesome, <laughs> which is weird because it's a lot of people's complaints. But like, that's probably my favorite part of this movie, minus some some different scenes. Like the kind of cold start going to take out Thanos and just killing him. I was just like, what the fuck? Like, what is this movie even about now? Like the stones are gone. Like it was just it really pulled the rug out for me immediately, which I thought was masterfully done. Yeah. And then the return of Tony and the continuation of the Stark Rogers conflict, like that really elicited some emotion in me because when he came back and was just like, I fucking told you this was going to happen. You're a goddamn liar. Like, don't ever talk to me again. I was just like, shit, man. Like, <laughs> it really, like, I just really liked that opening sequence and basically everything that happened up until the five year and like right, right leading into the five year skip, I was just like, damn this movie like doesn't care and i really really enjoyed all of it there's two things i thought it was odd that you know the post-credit mark captain marvel scene where she shows up mm-hmm. i thought that was a clip and i said it in the episode like i thought much like when they catch bucky in the one post-credit scene before the movie like i thought that was just a clip from this movie because i i do think they should have like given just like a second i'm just like oh yeah she's here like because she was just already there and i was like oh yeah okay um it just felt a little bit like not super cohesive for me because yeah i don't think you should i mean post credits are for teasers not like um i don't know like really important leading up to the next movie kind of thing i don't know i, I don't know how to describe that but yeah because it also didn't jive with the entrance we saw her make in the movie right like yeah uh, yeah it felt just a little bit like i saw a scene and i was just like eh. um but i thought overall that like I could have seen a little more of her, but I thought her character was used pretty well throughout the movie. She's got a lot of Deus Ex potential, uh, and they're going to have to deal with that in the future. But I this I, I I felt like this was I almost felt like she was added in post. Mm, her, I can see her, that her scenes actually interacting with other characters are so minimal, mm. and that it just felt like reshoots. And then she disappears again on the flimsiest of pretenses. That's true. Um, I mean, somebody made the somebody on on YouTube made the made the poochie joke of "I have to go now. My home planet needs me." Uh, boop 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 boop. It yeah. was just it felt so contrived, and and it's like yeah, but the goal of the Avengers mission is to like undo the snap, which saves everybody in the universe. Like surely going and putting out fires on Xandar or wherever is less important than that so and it just felt it felt so flimsy and sad i did like that they finally gave her the short haircut but then we didn't really get to see it (laughs) Um, yeah i I think that i mean i i do agree with you like it did feel like i'm here all right see you and like come back for that movie but like i just i felt like she wouldn't have had anything to do and 
I think they could have, with good writing, they could have gotten around that. But um, and like you said, in, in you know in the Captain Marvel review, is like this movie I think really wanted you to focus on the original six, and we're gonna get a lot which more Captain fine. Marvel down the road. Which but. is fine. I, I I think that it would have been. <clears throat> so one of the things that this movie did that good ensemble movies do is that they break up the they break up the. Um, the larger ensemble into little kind of pods. Um, so you can see interesting new interactions, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, we get a, we get a little bit where it's Ant-Man and Iron Man, you know, taking shots at each other. Yeah. Right there. They're on the, oh, we haven't seen that pairing before. That's fun. And that's interesting. Game of Thrones does this a lot too, where we're just going to put two characters together and see how they interact. And it's usually good. I really wouldn't have minded, um, getting more of captain marvel in with one of those like time travel teams yeah to kind of see her starting to interact with the other characters we know it would just been more interesting um but at the end of the day i think that what we got was good yeah i agree with you i mean i'll I'll retract that i think that was handled i guess when she was on screen i liked her but i i could have used definitely more interaction and i think that um I, I'm just really concerned about her use for because they kind of have a Superman problem with her where she's like really powerful and it's going to be one of the situations where you're always going to have to have an excuse and a lot of them are going to feel flimsy of just like, well, we'll just throw Captain Marvel at him because yeah. unlike Thor or maybe Vision, like there's not this like as being like the most powerful Avengers, like they're laden with weaknesses and or character flaws that prevent them from being a Superman problem where right. Captain Marvel is like, a pretty stable person and if her only flaw is i have a lot of responsibilities elsewhere is like not great <laughs> yeah yeah um <clears throat> so i don't know really what they're gonna do with her yeah uh because they have not done a great job of with her powers but she's we shouldn't spend too much time talking about her because she's in very little <laughs> in true. this movie that we're supposed to be talking about yeah um i will continue on uh with thoughts and you can just feel free to to you know chime in fair uh I liked how many, just the sheer number of characters they brought back, you know, ones I would have never thought. Like, I mean, I think the Natalie Portman scene was like unused footage and I I think she recorded a couple new lines, but like Robert Redford, you know, uh, I forgot the person who plays Frigga, like just the sheer and like, you know, all the guys from uh, like the uh, guy who plays Crossbones and like Sitwell and like just, it just made it feel so full and, you know, it's filling in things without really like, without like for no real reason but it, but the fact that it's fun as opposed to like we need to explain every little thing well, like yeah. and i really of, like that and like <clears throat> this this movie really does like a magical thing of like almost every person in this movie is a fucking movie star right <laughs> like almost everyone is like this movie is just full of oscar winners who drop by to say two lines yeah you know yeah it's amazing how much talent is in this movie um and it goes to show you when, you know, like when you have somebody like Robert Redford, who it's weird because like he had his big retirement movie this year, too. But like mm-hmm. he shows up to be in the movie for like a minute. But like when you have somebody that talented and that charismatic, like that scene is just so much richer when that could have been some other, you know, you know, competent character actor. But it's Robert Redford. Right. And then you've got... um uh you know, Gwyneth Paltrow, who off camera is a, apparently a, not a great person, but, you know, great on screen. She's in this movie for like five minutes, but just, you know, 
everybody in this movie is really good at acting. Yeah. There are no like, oh, this, you know, this person's a stand up and this is their first role and and they're doing okay, you know? Like, no, everybody, every single person in the movie is the star of another movie. Right. And I read somewhere and talked about it with some people about how, like, I think it must be, it has to be, at least part of it is, you know, part of it's money, but like, part of it is like a cultural thing, right? Like, it seems like when these people are doing the press press tours, like, they really seem to be enjoying themselves and like care about these movies in the way that like, maybe they're, you know, we, I think the examples, like, I would say of people that we have seen that don't really care and have sort of visibly complained or, or publicly complained are like, Anthony Hopkins, which, fine, you're really old, and, like, are known for not really being interested in any of these kind of movies. Yes. Like, Natalie Portman seemed to not really be into it, and Hugo Weaving, because he hated the fucking Red Skull makeup. Okay, those were all also fa- pretty early on in, you know, this yeah. community, but, like, the the behind-the-scenes stuff, it just seems like these people just, like, go and just have a good time, and... Uh, I think Faggy and, and whoever is like kind of setting the culture must be it must be a top down thing that like we're here to like do something really, you know, really creative, really fun and just enjoy ourselves and make you care. And it seems like they do, because I really expected halfway through this franchise, one of these actors or actors, you know, like Scarlett Johansson, particularly, which I used to hear being like, this is fucking dumb. I'm yeah. over this. Like, when am I getting my Black Widow movie, guys? Right. And she seems to have like doubled down on it. Like all these people. I mean, well, some people are moving on, but like, it's not out of like, oh, I'm just so tired of playing blank. It's like, well, I think that this character story is done now. I, I would not be surprised if um, there are like super, you know, inside baseball industry articles being written about like the logistical innovations Mm -hmm. that have made these movies possible and all the genius that has gone into like the scheduling of these things and you know making it so that all the work that goes into making all of these things very easy for the actors involved yeah because the only way you make this work the only way you get you know samuel l jackson to drop by for a no lines cameo at the end of this thing um or colby smolders to show up for a funeral scene and not have any lines and is if you make this very very easy to say yes to and you make these movies very very easy to come back to and you make sure that these actors are enjoying themselves on the set so you're not having problems with like daniel craig who's like playing james bond is a fucking nightmare every time like it's an absolute chore um you like i bet that there is some magic behind the scenes of that they that they have really gone out of their way to make these movies fun and easy to work on because otherwise how do you make this happen because yeah if halfway through this chris evans decides he he's not into this anymore um you you're done this whole experiment falls apart and um and it's not just the money because all these actors are at points in their careers where two or three more million dollars on the contract is not what's driving their decision. Right. Yeah. And I think that especially, especially given the constraints of like, these movies are so secretive and hearing like, you know, I was reading that or hearing that I I don't have a confirmed source of this, but that people were saying a lot of the filming in this movie, you were given your lines, just your lines for a scene. And that's all you get. Like nothing. And maybe a little bit of context, but like that must be so hard I mean, maybe they view it as a challenge. I don't know. But to get the performances they get under those constraints and also keep them so happy, it it really must be something, you know, like groundbreaking. Yeah. So anyway, that's an aside. Yeah. We um, keep going down. We should talk about this actual movie, right? Yeah. 
Um, I will say one the characters coming back is this is the first time you probably didn't know because you I'm sure you didn't watch it, but they brought a character who was from a TV show into the movie. Uh, in the guy playing Jarvis, James Darcy, Darcy. Interesting. Um, he was in the he played Jarvis in the Peggy Carter or um, yeah Agent, Agent Carter. Carter show. Yeah, I and, noticed some. I, there was a reaction in the theater to him mm-hmm. when I was watching, and I was like, "Oh, this must be something I missed." <laughs> yeah, ironically, to a different a person, different person playing Howard Stark, not um, who's the guy who plays Preacher Dominic Dominic Cooper Dominic Cooper. But this is we. This is. We have seen John Slattery yeah. play Howard Stark in other movies. Same one from the other Tony, the other movies, except for Captain America, which is why he played him in. That's the only one movie he's been played by Dominic yeah. Cooper. But anyway, I just thought that was interesting. And like once again, like we don't have to do this. Could be anybody, but let's see if this guy's available. Right, toss him in. Why not? Um, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Uh, let's move on. Fat Thor is my spirit animal. However, they leaned into that gag a little too long and a little too hard for me. I will say that when I appreciate that he stayed fat and it also explained a little bit why he wasn't quite as, I I assume, I'm assuming that like why he wasn't quite as powerful in the final fight. Because, you know, when he got Stormbreaker in the Battle of Wakanda, he seemed pretty fucking powerful even to fight Thanos, right, with an Infinity Gauntlet and and almost killed him and later just chopped his arm off and chopped his head off like... Yeah. I, hope, I think it helped to explain why he wasn't just dominating him in the final fight. I appreciate that he stayed fat, and I also appreciate like the way his hair and beard look when he got suited up. It kind of looked like, I think it was like the 80s and 90s where he got that sort of like wild Thor look where he was all kind of like overgrown and, and messy, and I was like, yeah. kind of like that. Um, but I, I do feel like like the initial introduction and stuff, I was all in like, this is really funny, this makes sense, it's, it shows that he's at a low point for his character, and he's taking this so hard, I get it. But I just felt like it was just a little bit too much on that. It didn't. It didn't always. It didn't. It was just overstated. It's welcome. I'd say. Um. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there was. I feel like it was a little bit of. There's the scene where he goes and he sees his mom again, and she gives him some speech about, which we still don't fully understand that message of like be who you be the best at who you are, not who you're supposed to be or something. I'm like, I don't know what that, what does that fucking mean? Um, (laughs) But she gives him some kind of message. And normally that's the scene where he then like, he takes a look at the beer bottle and he throws it away. And he has this symbolic walking away from those issues because he's, he's gotten right with himself. And, um, and even though I don't expect him to then just like, I mean, I think it would be kind of a funny gag if he just comes like, if, if he like, you know, it's like two days later and he's back to being slim. And they're like, what did you do? And he's like, I did some sit-ups, you know, like, it'll be kind yeah. of funny. Like, oh, that's how, th- you know, but. Um, like, like, like the Parks and Rec, like with uh explanation for why. Oh, Chris, Chris Pratt, Pratt's yeah. character. Oh, I just stopped drinking beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is great. But I, but I think that could have been a funny gag. But even though like, okay, so maybe he doesn't have the physical transformation. But then when they're having the conversation of who's going to do the snap and they're kind of still like, no, you're still too drunk for this. Yeah. It just kind of felt like he should have at least turned the corner um, spiritually at that moment right. in the movie, and he didn't. So that, I think that, for me, that's when it kind of started to overstay its welcome. I like the idea of a personality shift with Thor and him walking away from his, like, warrior persona into more of the kind of jolly Viking, you know, wise, almost, you know, Odin-type mm-hmm. persona, which I'm totally fine with. Um I just, I don't, like a lot of things in this movie, I just feel like they didn't quite stick the landing on it, but. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, that um, something with him was, is made me laugh harder than any, 
point in the whole movie and i still when i think about it i just like i just laugh is at the very end when he's on the guardian spaceship and you know he's talking with chris pratt and their exchanges and just like the of course of course oh of man. course like i was losing my shit i was laughing so hard fucking of- hemsworth like he is way too pretty to be that funny something's yeah. wrong like the delivery and just oh man if if that's that if that's a movie like if he's in guardians 3 and that's like the movie i'm i'm completely in like i don't oh, care I, it makes no sense like i like I him saying it much more on the guardians cast now as a part of that like because ragnarok proved that thor is a comedy character he needs to be in the comedy lane and mm-hmm. right now the action comedies are the guardians movies and he that's where he belongs um i still like epic thor like epic thor and in, in when he shows up in in infinity war is still one of my favorite moments in the entire yeah mcu um which we'll get to that but uh yeah i still hope they give him those some of those moments but i think that the majority of the time and as someone who you know i i when i reviewed our knock i was sort of like oh it's just a little bit too in the comedy vein but after watching the movie a bunch more times i'm like this movie is just fucking awesome <laughs> like it's just like really yeah. good yeah uh so that's my opinion of thor i'm kind of just moving through with different characters sure. so professor hulk oh i love it i love professor hulk however i have a lot of howevers okay um, I will say, like, I love that they did this. I, I love that personality. I wish it would have had a little more Hulk in the Professor Hulk. Like, it just felt like Banner dressed as Hulk, which is fine. See, I disagree, but but keep going. Okay. But what I feel very strongly about is I really feel strongly that we should have seen that reconciliation happen on screen. Huh? Because I feel like since, you know, it's just such an important moment for that character, these characters, I want to refer to them, like, it's been building to this since, you know, this is the big, cathartic, important moment for, that defines this character of when these two finally can get their shit together and realize that, you know, they're one person and embracing that. And I think you could have done it. And I know they were trying to kind of stay clippy, like, stay fast-paced to get to that moment with Thanos, but I think that could have been, like, you could have taken a couple minutes and given us the scene where, like, they're about to go leave to take out Thanos, you know, uh, prime Thanos, for lack of a better term. And, you know, they think he's going to have all stones. Like, they need to be fully guns loaded. He even says, like, we're going to go in super under, you know, undergunned. And I think that could have been a time. I don't know exactly how he would have done it because it wasn't a lot of time. And I get that five years is a long time to make this happen. But, like, that could have been, like, you know, the cathartic moment, have some sort of inner dialogue and make it happen that way. But I just feel like, I was a little let down by not being able to see that play out and having him just appear. I can hear that. I mean, I, I hear you. I, 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 um, what I, I really liked that Professor Hulk seemed like a third personality. Mm. To me, it didn't just feel like Banner, but he looks like the Hulk. Like, this felt like, um, the guy that, like, just a better version of both of them. Like, it seemed like this is a banner who is confident and loose and, but simultaneously, like, vulnerable and authentic. And there's this almost like he achieved a higher level of being and is now, like, at peace with the world and is really the source of wisdom and humanity throughout for like everybody that um that somehow reconciling these things didn't just put banner into hulk's body but it um banner found this entirely new side of himself that banner plus hulk is greater than the sum of its parts like i loved that 
And I'm okay that I that I only saw the end state of it because I think that for me it was more impactful to kind of see Professor Hulk and then think back to the way Banner was before and be like, oh, this is a different guy. Mm-hmm. But it is a like full realization of that guy. And maybe I had an advantage because I timed it out perfectly that basically I sat down and started watching Infinity War to the extent that as soon as the credits of Infinity War hit, <laughs> I was going to get in the car and go see Endgame. <laughs> That's smart. That's smart. Because um, I kind of wanted to get myself pumped. And I was like, yeah, I think it should be interesting if I watch these things literally back to back. So I think I had a fresher picture of Banner in my head. Um as this kind of hesitant, a little anxious, a little afraid. Yeah, um, yeah. Putting uh, it that way, you're definitely softening my opinion on it. I think that I didn't think of it in the way that, you know, I was thinking of it as like you're, you're combining two people. But when I'm and I don't know why I forgot this, but like thinking about how the comics sort of handle it is like there's all these different sort of versions of these characters, right? There's Grey Hulk and there's Green Hulk and there's Mr. Fix-It and there's, you know, Professor Hulk, like they are sort of almost different characters. And in that way, I do that that's a that's a really that's a really good point. I I I agree that I really liked his role throughout the movie and I just thought that like he was funny, but he also like I said was a was a source of, you know, humanity and and, and like an anchor for the team in a lot of ways, which yeah. is sort of, which is ironic and and a good juxtaposition. And he's and he's he's got jokes. He's got and, jokes. And the effect was incredible. It looked really good. Holy shit! Uh, it was it was absurdly good. Um, and there were little movements on his face. Like there was a degree of um, just little touches and little twitches of an eyebrow and things that I feel like I haven't seen before in um, that kind of animation. And I'm just like, oh boy, where things are getting really good. Um, the, and the scene where he like where he's trying to persuade Thor to come back to the team, like mm-hmm. just the emotion um, that he displayed in that scene of like he like really cared about Thor. Yeah. And like but also like you could see him really trying to like, how do I persuade him and how do I get through to him? Like it was just an amazing scene. And you're like, this is a green fucking monster. And Chris Hemsworth in a CG fat suit. What are they doing? <laughs> with some rock monster playing Fortnite in the back yeah i and 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 i'm like this is the scene is incredible uh so yeah i was i i really think for me uh professor hulk was my favorite part of the movie that's awesome i'll move on to my favorite part of the movie which i think which i'm going to say was black widow really yeah i really liked the role she played uh you know as sort of like keeping things together i could i could she was just really just brought the frustration and the, the tiredness and just like she just sort of she's really acted well and i leading up to of course you know the scene on voromir with hawkeye who you know i liked in this movie too um once again you know a good way to start the movie uh i that was reminding you know everyone what they're losing that i'm sure as a father you're, that seemed kind of freaked you out a little bit but um well i i had a i had a stronger father moment when um and man reconnected with his daughter, but oh, that was that scene really got me. Oh man, like, I, I look, I'm 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 gonna say this without a hint of macho bragging. I didn't cry during this movie, but that scene had me real fucking close. Just and that is all credit to what Paul Rudd did with just his face. I agree, hundred percent. I was scene. like, man, Paul Rudd's a great fucking actor. Yeah, like, again, what are you doing, Paul Rudd? You're too good at everything. Yeah. 
Um, and just like the like you, you see him going through it, his head, and like us realizing at the same time, like, oh man, it's been five and years. He's trying like, to think of what to say, and he's processing it all, and we're going through it with him. Um, and it's all just on his face. And turns out Paul Rudd's got some fucking chops. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> uh, Next, we're gonna but, find out he can sing too. Oh yeah. Um, I the scene on Vormir, I really, really liked. Hmm. I I love the juxtaposition of these two fighting to sacrifice uh, because they both care about each other so much. Um, I've seen some pretty rough takes on this as like, I don't know, I read this really craziness today of just like reinforcing heteronormative things because she's got a family or he's got a family and that's makes her worthless. That's why she has to die. I'm like, okay, well, we're digging a little here. Mm. I viewed it as like a very like, this is a strong woman taking the role of, you know, subverting like the stand back i'll make the sacrifice move women and children first right like i just thought it just really felt really powerful i've always really liked their relationship like since the first avengers of just like they clearly have a history together and they care about each other a lot but they're not in love and that's something that's so uncommon in these movies that like they they love each other but as friends but in a platonic yes yeah, and I've always really liked that. I've liked, and they really doubled down on that. So it really just worked for me, and it was believable for me, for her, for her arc. I thought it fit really well. Um, I was actually surprised because I was like, oh, I, I don't know if they're gonna do like a prequel for her movie or what. But I was pretty shocked that that she died like for good. But I I just really liked that scene a lot. I'm torn on that, um, and on her. I definitely, I none, and this is none of this is Scarlett Johansson's fault. Um, I know, I, I think I see what they were, what they were going for with her character in that the decimation and the five years in between has has kind of consumed her, and um, her she's become kind of obsessed with saving what's left and trying to reverse things, and just like um, uh, that's how she's coping. Um, and you know they 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 do a really good um, hair and makeup thing where to make it seem like she's really not taking care of herself because you can see that she's got five years of growth like you can see that the tips of her hair are still blonde mm-hmm. and everything else is red and it just means she hasn't bothered to cut or dye her hair since even though it looked gorgeous and clearly had been but like like that's good and that tells the story of like she's obsessed and committed and you know she's just like gunning down peanut butter sandwiches because she's become this obsessive workaholic and and then her the kind of completion of that is her realizing that she really has nothing left but the mission so um this is this is what is left this is what she wants to do and she at least thinks that clint has something to go back to and she does not and I don't think there's a heteronormative thing there. I think it's just this thing of she has committed herself to this. All she has left in her life is solving this problem. Um, and so this is her final contribution to that cause. She thinks that not only does Clint still have a family, but maybe he can still redeem himself from kind of becoming a psychopath. Um, so she's trying to give him that chance. So I'm, I'm fine with it all on paper. I just wish that the movie had made me have to think about that a little less. Like, I pieced that all together after the fact. I wish it had been a little bit clearer. Um, and I feel like that all of that would have landed a little more for me if I'd had a little bit more uh, a little bit more of that on the screen and less of me trying to piece it together at the end. Um, I also think they took a big risk 
because the Vormir scene in Infinity War is probably the emotional heart of that movie and probably the strongest scene uh, in that movie. So to basically come back and set up a parallel to it, you are taking some big risks because if you don't nail that, it's going to suffer by the comparison. I don't think it was perfect, but I think it was good. It was surprising. It was an interest, and it kind of interestingly subverted your expectations as it went. So, yeah. For me, I was thinking less about her obsession with the mission and, you know, this, uh, like, she has nothing to go back to. For me, it was more, maybe this because I've recently watched the first Avengers, of which, you know, you get a lot of character development for her, this idea of, like, I've got red in my ledger, and I'm trying to make up for you know the all the bad things i i did which i assume we're gonna find out more about in her movie um you know with what we know what we at least can fill in the gaps now this is just based on comic you know knowledge of just like she was an assassin for the bad guys for a while and where you know uh, hawkeye and she's seeing hawkeye go down that path and i think you know like you said she's trying to redeem him and, and push him to to not go down the same path she did and, and not not incur that debt because she always talks about it as, as you know that, that debt right red in the ledger i want to get to the black right and for her i think this moment um you know a, a little bit of everything and and the explanation of like you know i have a family i need to i need to save them like i, I like that a lot um yeah no i i i, I again like i'm all like i this is and we made a promise that we even though it's tempting to talk about this and the most recent episode of game of thrones side by side we're not going to do it um but i will say that like one of the things that this has going for it that game of thrones in general doesn't is that here i'm not arguing like my argument is not that the move doesn't make sense for the character uh that the character wouldn't do this the character has no motivation to do this this plan doesn't make sense um here it all makes sense to me I just wish that I'd gotten a little bit more uh, out of it. Got it. Like, this just wasn't executed yeah, perfectly. Yeah, I think they could have put a little bit more of this on the screen and a little bit less of it, again, for me to kind of make sense of later. Mm-hmm. Got it. So, the time you want me bullshit. Sure. It was great. Yeah. It was great. great. Um, I, I will say that there were parts of this that were a little self-indulgent for me. Like, we started across the line where some of the fan service and some of the stuff was just like, hmm. Now, there were some good fake-outs. Like, the elevator scene was fantastic. Yep. So I was like, oh, they're just going to have them fight the same people again. That's, like, you know, the same kind of thing. But, like, playing with that and then him fighting himself was fine. But then the whole just, like, the sort of, you know, subverting and, and picking on previous movies yep. was really funny. And every time you think they're going to zig, they zag. They did a great yeah. job with that. Um, look, I don't... I really loved the time heist chapter of this movie because, for one, I think that, look, this is light, it's bouncy, it's cartoony, it's low stakes, um, and that is exactly what I needed after Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Um, you, that this, you know... Having some fun with these characters again, letting them play and goof around and, you know, have time to breathe and have character moments with each other um, is a great uh, counter to Infinity War. And it's also what I really liked about it was it was a kind of superhero movie that we haven't seen yet. Mm -hmm. It was a heist um, and it was presented like a heist movie where you learn the plan as they execute it, you know? Yeah, they're going through it and you're seeing the plan unfold and you're getting surprised by the plans and then the little complications. And and, you know, you know, you know how it's going to work out. You know, they're going to get the stones 
and then there's going to be more complications and you know that Thanos is onto them and you know that that's going to pay off but during this you're like let's just have some low stakes time travel fun and it was a lot of fun and it also contained some really important and powerful character moments where Tony has this reconciliation with his dad which mm-hmm. is the you know which is his, which is so Thor his moment is he has this moment with his mom that it that's his pivot in the movie Tony has the reconciliation with his dad that's his pivot like and they're all great mhm yeah i agree i mean and i the way they pick on you know previous things like the the scene with i love you know, like hulk professor hulk trying to act like regular hulk yeah that got me uh (laughs) you know obviously chris pratt like singing and is being bad at it like from what you're watching the scene not in the movie what does it look like without the diegetic yeah um the sort of just like the captain america's over his own bullshit it's like yes i know like uh i really enjoyed all of it and and when thanos is like figuring it out and i mean i still am not completely clear on like why nebula's stuff whatever it doesn't matter um i really don't care about that sort of thing space magic space magic but thanos bring his entire fucking spaceship back like to well not back but like bringing him to the future is it was so comic book yep and i love like, it yep. was just like yes like this is exactly what happened in a fucking comic book i'm just yep. like this is bonkers but it like it makes sense and he, this is now gonna happen this way um i really like cap's arc it wasn't as you know strong as like i think I, like Tony Stark's was really good. Um, let's get into this real quick. Okay, time travel stuff. Sure. And I think the internet's starting to come back around. But for the first couple of days after this movie, I was like, did no one watch the movie? I everyone's like, oh man, there's all these other timelines we get to explore now. And the and Loki took the time st- or the space stone, and that's gonna be the the focus of the his TV show. And Cap was living in their reality the whole time. And I'm like, they fucking said, a you can't change the past. What has happened has happened. You can't change it. Two, removing the Infinity Storms from a timeline sparks a new timeline. And three, putting those Infinity Stones back into the timeline erases that new timeline from the moment it was touched. Therefore, all these timelines were erased. And when Cap returned, when Cap went back in time and lived his whole life, he came. He started a new reality. Yes, and somehow and somehow jumped back to ours. Jumped back to ours, and I. I mean. I would have to assume that other reality probably disappeared, which is pretty brutal, but whatever. Like, and then return to our timeline. There you go. Like, I was just like, I was ripping my hair out because I was just like, they explicitly say, and these are good rules to have, like not being able to change the past. Like the scene with the ancient one was great. Hey, I loved like, oh yeah, I guess, you know, the Sanctum would have been getting attacked during the Battle of New York and she was probably there like slicing people up. That makes sense. Like some of the filling in of stuff didn't feel like, like checking boxes, but it felt just like, like I said, making the world feel a little fuller and having the two smart people talk about time travel and explain it. I was like, this is exposition, but it makes sense. And like just removing all this, I mean, I, I, I'm assuming we'll get to a multiverse somewhere and don't get me wrong. It's completely possible. They will throw all this bullshit out. And the Loki show is about him with the space stone, but I don't think it is. Well, and also I think that even though they did it, they, they explained their time travel rules a little bit. And they're basically the back to the future rules of you change something, you create a new timeline, Um, which is interesting because there's the scene in Back to the Future where Doc Brown basically draws it on a chalkboard for everybody um, with like there you got this one path and then you branch off and then you have the ancient one basically do the same thing, but with CG. (laughs) I was like, okay, good. Back to the future rules. But also, so there's a scene in 
I think Austin Powers 2, where one of the characters is explaining to Austin Powers how the time travel rules work. And he basically says to Austin, um, the important thing, though, is not to think too hard about this time travel stuff and just lay, lay back and enjoy yourself. And then that character looks directly into the camera and says, and that goes for the rest of you too. <laughs> and right. I feel like this movie kind of did that for us. It did the best it could to just say, this is comic book, space magic, time travel stuff. Don't think about any of this too hard because we're not thinking about any of this too hard. I almost felt like they put a big disclaimer up up on the screen that said, nerds, there are no secrets here. <laughs> there is no, right. this is not the key to the next movie. Give it a rest. Right, and um, I feel like a lot of people did not see that. No, but I'm they glad did not that, get that fucking message. And, and we'll make sure we link it in the show notes. Is an article, it's like, is a Chinese interview with the Russo brothers, but they, they sort of go through some of these questions and like, no, this is how X and X works. And there's a couple secrets. We're like, ah, we're not really ready to say that. But like, I just feel like, they, they did two smart things here to prevent the abuse of this moving forward, right, in this world. A, you can't change the past right. in the prime timeline. And there really should only be one timeline right. if things are working correctly. And two, uh, well, it's really just that one because, like, the pin particle still exists, so this method of time traveling right. will still exist, but you can't do anything productive with it. Except, like, if you just want to, like, I guess you just want to like, leave the timeline to do something else. You can, I guess. But so there's a little bit of space there for, like, if they want to do something, you know, removing, and I'll get this, but I think one of the smart things the movie did was, like, removing the Infinity Stones from their reality is way, way smart. Because yes. now Doctor Strange doesn't have this anymore. He's free to not have to be worried about that all the time. And they're not just going to be constant, perpetual MacGuffins in this world. Right, right. It, be, it, it, it solves the Dragon Ball problem of... If, if you just it's story arc after story arc of somebody's got to go find the dragon balls and, right and um so yeah i think that's very good it's fine you know then you make it the infinity gauntlet is not the be all end all weapon um and you haven't really established that okay so theoretically the way the time travel works is you could jump into the past to retrieve an object or a person mm-hmm. although it's not clear how the per no you can't get a grab a person well i guess gamora is probably sticking around right that part's a little unclear but i'm not very worried about that. And they grabbed Mjolnir and brought that back. Right. Objects Which, are fine, but people, presumably, you need a suit. Okay, fine. Maybe that logic doesn't totally work, but whatever. Um, you get the, you know, you can go get objects. So you could come up with a thing of, like, we need 15 Mjolnirs. So <laughs> yeah. that's what we're going to do. But I feel like that doesn't solve any huge problems for any of the other big movies. And because it's limited and I think we're fine. I don't think we have to worry about time travel again. I think no, they I did, don't think so. They did, their, they did a fine job of, of cordoning it off and saying, we're going to do this this one time. Here's all the reasons this is not going to be a MacGuffin in the future. Right. Because it yep. wouldn't really be useful for anything else. And the choice to make it, to make that you can't change the past means that this world is static. Yep. And this shit happened and it matters. Yes. Moving forward. And everything forever. that will happen going forward will matter because anything our characters do in future episodes can't be undone by future time travel shenanigans. Right. So I thought all of that was Perfect. handled very well, put together perfectly. Like it's exactly, you know, you said a lot of time travel shenanigans movie. I was unsure. I was nervous, but they they assuaged my concern well, because I'm not nervous about it. So that comment was less about the quantity of time travel shenanigans, <laughs> but the fact that it was literal shenanigans. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, I was using the term, around. like, oh, this movie's going to be all time travel shenanigans, just in, like, a, you know, 
general sense of shenanigans, but they were literally just getting up to shenanigans in the past, like playing <laughs> pranks on each other. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I that brings me to the like the third act of this movie or I guess like the last quarter, like the basically the big fight. Yeah. And this is where, for me, the movie really didn't stick the landing. Hmm. I liked the Hulk using the gauntlet to bring everybody back. That sequence was nice. I liked Thor. I liked, you know, Thanos coming back. All of that was fine. I liked the scene with Tony using the gauntlet. Tony's death scene. It's very well done. It wasn't overwrought. Didn't have some, uh, you know, dying speech, right? It was just like, he's dead. He still got a dying speech, but... It, it was posthumous, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, like, the actual, and, like, Gwyneth Paltrow in that scene was really good. Like, I really liked her in this movie uh, as well. Like yep. you said, she's in it for five minutes, but um, I liked everything with her. Uh, I felt a lot of the things for that. Like, I I really enjoyed that, but the thing that I came away with feeling was that that last fight was so muddled, and it did not put the, uh, it did not put the feeling of all that the fights in infinity war to go back to my initial thing of like i compare this movie to infinity war a lot like the fight on titan and the battle of wakanda are two like defining moments in superhero movies for me now moving forward and i was really looking forward to the same guys who have proved they're really good at doing this like what are they gonna do with everybody in this movie and it just it was just a little bit too much the felt the fight at points felt very like dc-esque which is not a compliment in any way like dark lots of just wreckage and stuff and just like a little bit muddled and there's still really cool moments um there's some moments i didn't like i liked captain america using mjolnir that was awesome it happened you know it, it was good it elicited feelings but then him continuing to use it pretty much diminished that for me yeah like this is just on. his 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 weapon now yeah yeah even thor getting having both things i was just like a little bit of an eye roll like I said, this is where it's like the time travel stuff wasn't as self-indulgent as like some of the stuff on the last battle was. And the A-Force moment, it didn't work for me. And once again, comparing it to Infinity War, the scene in Infinity War where Akoya and Black Widow and then Scarlet Witch fight Proxima Midnight, you know, badass ladies doing badass things. It worked perfectly for me. I love that scene. In right. this, it was it felt so internally inconsistent and beyond comic booky, right? Well, like they, just like they didn't even do anything. They just kind of struck a pose. Exactly, and I just didn't. It just felt so like ugh, it just was cringy to me. Yeah, and yeah, it was, it was, it was. Yeah, it was just rather than just finding another way to point out that like, hey, there were a lot of women here who did important things. Right. It was just like, hey, let's get them all on screen so you can count them. Like, right? You know, it felt like checking a box, and it didn't feel like the way they've been doing a better job of having diversity and inclusion in these movies like in the recent times it felt like a step back yeah and and because they could have had i had in my head right now you have captain marvel getting the gauntlet and her flying through the battlefield think of in, in like the part where um like the the beginning of age of ultron like the camera work in that yeah. where you know like they're flying through the forest and there's all these things happening or in like the airport scene in civil war and you have all the like she happens to kind of go through places where like the women help her no one needs to say anything no one needs to be like you know i just felt so like just pushed and i, I didn't like that yeah and um it's it they basically made a list of the of their female characters and slapped it up on the screen to like prove a point right which is now making the list is degrading right and i mean i have binders of women greg binders. yes binders um, of them. like alternatively when the wakandan showed up and i was in a theater you know of of a diverse mix of people like i the the energy there was palpable mm. and hearing 
the back half of the theater, which is not a good, that's came out. But you know what I mean? Like people were back there that were very into this and, you know, chanting along with it. Granted, this was like opening night. So really? everyone was like, yeah, like the, the, you know, Mbambe, like, you know, that chant, like half the theater was like doing that during <laughs> that scene. And I was just like, okay, like this means something to people. Right. Like, and that was fun to feel. Uh, I, I just felt like, I don't know, the, the, I guess just like, what really left me at this point is the final battle left me feeling a little bit disappointed. Um, Even though the, some of the individual story beats and moments were good, the whole thing just kind of felt a little bit rough. Captain Marvel showing up was was fine. I liked that scene of just like... It looked great. It looked great. Like, all of a sudden, they're like, something's entering your atmosphere, and you're like, oh, I know who this is. I know what's happening here. And then the gun's shifting, and like, I had this idea in my head very quickly of like, they must have like come across her before because yeah. they're like directing all their firepower yeah. towards her. Like that made me feel like, okay, like they know she's a threat. Like they know they're vaguely familiar with who this is, which makes sense because they're out in space, yeah. space nonsense land doing nonsense. Like, uh, yeah. And Scarlet Witch, I liked her scene. Um, you know, uh, I kind of felt bad for her at the end of the movie. Everyone kind of got a happy ending and she's just like, yeah, my, my love's still dead. Like my robot boyfriend's <laughs> still dead. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so, I mean, like I said, there was still stuff that, like, landed, but there was a lot of stuff that didn't, and that disappointed me, because I think, once again, just comparing it to Infinity War in those perfect moments of perfection. Yeah, for me. I think the Wakanda battle worked better, because I, I, I still get, you know, the, uh, I still get chills in watching that battle, the Wakanda battle, where T'Challa says, Wakanda forever, mm-hmm. and then they charge, and there's something defined about that, because you kind of know they're doomed and you kind of know this is a last stand. So Mm -hmm. that cry has this defiance to it and this kind of doomed nature. And I think the Russo brothers are better at doing doom than they are at doing triumph. Mm. Like, cause that bad, that battle. And then the, you know, the, the, the way it all ends has this sense of inevitability and sadness and it slows down and it, um, but this battle didn't have, whatever the opposite of that is. It didn't have a feeling of triumph to it. I got a little bit above, uh, a little bit of it when the portal started opening up mm-hmm. and all of our friends start coming through and Cap says Avengers assemble. Like yeah. I got a little bit of that, but I didn't get enough of that feeling of triumph through that battle, um, which I think is what we wanted. and I think is what they were going for, but we just didn't get there. Um, yeah. And maybe, maybe subsequent, subsequent watches will give me it but i just felt like it lacked some of like the attention to detail yeah. and you know every time i watch the battle of wakanda i see something new of like someone you know partially because it's like so well lit and just so well filmed that you can see like oh yeah war machine's back there doing war machine shit that's cool and like i said maybe subsequent watches for this will be different yeah. but and, and help embrace it or enhance it but i just felt a little bit uh let down i liked one thing i will say uh slightly shift is I liked the sort of difference in personality of Thanos. Yeah. Like it, it like in some ways it felt it, it's funny because it's like it's kind of like a regression of the character. But it's like, well, yeah, it was like, you know, however many years before that. And like he went through all the stuff in Infinity War, which helped sort of make him who he was partially towards the end. And I don't know. It was just like it was an interesting take where like he felt more. And maybe that's partially why it also felt a little bit because even though I like the difference because it makes sense that it's different because it, it kind of is a different Thanos at yeah. this point in his life it kind of made him seem a little two-dimensional in that fight and I'm fine with I'm actually okay with that because this is Thanos the Conqueror mm-hmm. and it's kind of interesting because he's wearing his battle armor um, and he's got this weird glaive that we never that we've never seen before but apparently is stronger than vibranium apparently um, uh, 
And, you know, yeah, he is. He's Thanos the Conqueror, and he's, he's talked about in all my years of conquest because that's what he's been doing up until, you know, really where we are when we pick up with him, and he's kind of just starting his search for the stones. Um, and, uh, and then when we meet him in Infinity War, like, he's wearing all that armor, and then he, you know, beats up the Hulk and then gets his first stone, right? And that's when he takes off the armor and now he's casual Friday's uh, Thanos. <laughs> and, you know, he's really on the mission to, to get all the stones. Um, I know it's a second stone at that point, but, you know, um, he's transitioned to this and he's more philosophical and he's more, you know, mystical. Um, so, I mean, I'm, again, on paper, I'm fine with it. Although I will say this Thanos is much less interesting. Right, right. Which, like, in the scope of this movie, like, it's okay. It's not, Infinity War was Thanos' movie. This wasn't his movie. Yes. And that's okay. Uh, so, I, you know, and there's some questions I have. It's like, why, are, you know, they so they went into space and picked up Ravagers? Like, that's a weird choice. But, like, okay, whatever. Because um, one of the portals brings in a bunch of people in Guardians outfits. It's like, okay. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, I saw it later, but, and because Howard the Duck's there too, and she's like, all right, like, oh, what's going yeah. on here? Um, so, but it just felt a little bit like, and I, I get that they threw a lot more in it, so you can't give everyone their, their moments to shine, but it kind of felt like everyone's story and accordion in that final fight was a little accordion of just like, the strong people aren't as strong, the weak people are way stronger, everyone's kind of doing the same thing of just like beating other guys up, and yeah. it felt like that comic book magic that the Russos had captured so well previously wasn't quite present this whole fight parts of it but. yeah like you really want to see each care each each character like really doing like using their own powers in unique mm-hmm. ways but i didn't really get that feeling in this it was all just kind of punching and jumping yeah exactly like i said maybe maybe that will change in time i did like you know i thought that the rescue suit looked really good and sure um i you know i like the the one of the few interactions we got between you know peter parker and and captain marvel uh you yeah. know like, hi peter parker like that was cute like made me smile yeah uh, so you have anything else to say about the fight um i will say um i i thought the all is lost moment was very good when mm. you know you kind of feel like caps almost got the upper hand on thanos but then thanos is just like yeah i got this army though <laughs> and you start to see all those fucking sky snakes come out and you're like oh no we are not gonna win this um and then there's the scene where like cab like cinches the shield tighter to like hold his arm together i was yeah. like that's fucking cool <laughs> um but uh but they also timed it really well because it's kind of a genius of this sort of timing and there's a parallel here with game of thrones that i'm gonna keep to myself where you realize oh shit what about all those other heroes that are probably just waking up from the snap like you realize that it like two frames before it happens Mm -hmm. and they time it so well and they keep your focus on the action at hand so well that you don't have time to think about wait didn't we bring dr strange back where is he like so that they give you when they get just give you that moment to breathe and you think oh my god look that army how are we going to what are we going to do boy i don't even know if there's a cavalry to call in oh right all those other guys portals open like that was really really well done and that's a little bit of a magic trick of misdirection in that they're able to hold your attention enough so that you are not thinking about where the other heroes are at that moment yeah i definitely agree i mean like you know the scene i really like the scene of like paul rudd coming to the reels you know and coming to the realization of like 
I think we did it. And then like explosions start happening yes. and like it, it, it pulls you into it. And it was just, yeah, I really liked it. Over, I really liked that scene a lot. Um, I thought the funeral was a little bit much. Yeah, it felt a little gratuitous. Like just like the, the camera panning between each group of people. Like, I just think I like that idea. I just think you could have done it, like executed just slightly better. Yeah. Um, While we're at it, I just have, I have to, and I, and, and look, I know it's a comic book movie and I know this is some comic book bullshit, but again, this is a costuming thing. Um, like a lot of the characters, especially like the guardians characters, like had funerally versions of their normal outfits. <laughs> what the fuck is that? I didn't that? notice that. Like the, I didn't where did that. Drax go to get like a funeral style Drax vest? Where did that come from? Yeah. I just, and I understand they had to do certain things with, with costuming to make certain, you know, so you could easily read who that character is. Cause if all the male characters are just wearing black suits, that's a lot of fucking white guys in black suits. Yeah. Um, so I understand they had to do some things, but I was, some of that I was like, well, that doesn't fucking work. Like what? Drax should not have a special Drax funeral outfit. Dude, there's gotta <laughs> no, be like, another way to do this. in the this. ship, you know? Uh, one thing I thought that scene, you know, besides the the gratuitous of it a little bit, it's also like the 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 guy, the kid from Iron Man three was just like, all right, fine. That whatever. needed to be explained to me. Yeah, I was just like, who the fuck is that? Like, um, I really thought that that what that scene needed. I didn't want to take away from Tony's, you know, moment, and I really liked the scene with Happy and uh, what's his daughter's name? Morgan Madison? Something. Mm, like that. I think it might be. Yeah. Might um, I don't know, but anyway, uh, I like that scene a lot. I really felt like. Sometime in that, like, after that moment, I really wanted Nick Fury and Captain Marvel to have an exchange of some kind. Yes. I wanted Nick Fury to say something. The yes. fact that he didn't felt real. They, they had this transformative experience that we just saw. Right. And they haven't seen each other for 20 years. Yeah, you or at least, and I think the reason for that is I bet you 90% of that screen, that shot was green screened. Yeah. And I, I also, I just feel like. In a lot of ways, Nick Fury helped start as much as Iron Man did. Nick Fury helped start this universe yeah. too, and I feel like having him have some sort of capstone on the whole thing. And I think the perfect person would have been for Captain Marvel, but whoever, I think that would have been a, a, a better way to stick the landing and yeah, just have him say something, some Sam Jackson thing I, that like I, is cool. And I think that there's because yes, I think that giving him a bookend on this would be important. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't get it, which I think is a little. Yeah, but this is a slightly miss opportunity. Yeah, but agreed. Uh, but yeah, I like the uh, I like the cap stuff. I I really like that. Um, you know, they returned everything, which makes sense. Uh, they. I always felt that the end of the first Captain America. I've always really been invested in the Captain America Peggy Carter relationship, mm-hmm. and I thought the end of the acting for them is too. And that scene in the first at the end of the first Captain America movie is like very very sad and like very very touching. And uh, I. I thought that some people didn't like his ending or that it ended with him, but I, I liked that. It made sense to me. Yeah, no, um, I liked, I thought it was a good ending for him. Um, I think it was, I think his arc as a character was probably the weakest in this movie, or at least maybe the least clear. I wasn't yeah, I can quite see, sure see like what his journey was on this. Um, but I think the payoff of, you know, he, he's kind of like, I saved this world and now I want to have the life that I gave up. Mm-hmm. to protect this world and save this world over the last however many years um i've been saving the world for a long time now and you all got to have families and lives and now it's my turn and i like that i like that he finally yeah. did something selfish um, yeah and and i i that's kind of like the ultimate captain america arc right like finally do something selfish as opposed to something selfless yeah uh, someone pointed out the duality of that of like tony stark did the set like the sacrifice play and 
Captain America kind of did the selfish thing at the end. Not that it was selfish, but it didn't really hurt yeah. him. It's a victimless crime, I guess we'd say. Well, Except yes. for the whole universe he created and then probably wiped out. But we won't talk about that. Let's not. Uh, <laughs> I I did say for a second I thought he was just gonna like disappear and not come back, and I really thought that was gonna be like the basis of the Winter Soldier Captain or Winter Soldier Falcon show was gonna be like them traveling through tri- time trying to find where that Cap would be went. Kind of neat. Which like I was like mm, I'm kind of into that because like those characters have a good rapport and more of that style of time travel shenanigans well, would have been a little fun with those two. Well, the minute I saw him step on that time machine, I was like, he's going back to Peggy. We definitely would have mm. had it. We definitely would have seen Peggy in the seventies if the, if he wasn't going back there. So, um, yeah. So, but yeah, that's, that was good. Um, yeah. Did you have any, I, I, I took the, took the, no, no, no. The steering is... wheel on this one. Did you have anything else throughout the, the movie or characters that you wanted to comment on or anything? I mean, I think that, uh, I, I mean, I, let's talk a little bit about Iron Man's exit. Mm-hmm. I really, um, I think it's interesting that it was his sacrifice. Um, I mean, it makes sense given that his kind of the kind of the turning point of his conversation with his dad is was something about like um, you know self interest versus doing it for your kid. Mm-hmm. I don't really feel like um, he needed that push to like save the world. Yeah, but I do think there was something really excellent. In the I Am Iron Man line, mm-hmm. um, being not only, I mean, obviously it's a callback to his first movie and yay fan service. But to me, there was something very powerfully symbolic about that because we hadn't really referred to him as Iron Man, either in the movies or in the popular con- like discourse in a very long time. He's always, we've, we've always just called him Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. And... The symbolism of him finally kind of embracing, like, no, I'm a fucking superhero, and this is what superheroes do. Mm-hmm. I'm Iron Man. We're using the made-up names. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> Oh, we're using our made-up names. <laughs> yeah, like, so, and that, you know, him saying, like, almost saying, what I am about to do is bigger than Tony Stark. I am embracing that there is something bigger than Tony Stark in a very real way because he's flirted with personal responsibility a lot. Mm-hmm. But um, but this was really the chance where I was like, oh, no, now you really have to put your money where your mouth is. And this isn't actually just a secret test of your new technology. Right. Um, so I thought that that line was incredibly powerful and really paid off on so much. And it was really well done. And I just loved the the build up to it of you know them coming to him and him rejecting them again effectively and then but you know his fall of just like i can't like it gets in my brain and then i can't it's like you in game of thrones right you just can't stop thinking <laughs> about it and you got to puzzle it out yeah and you know and the fact that pepper potts knows that about him so well you know she knows what she signed up for even though you know she's kind of been like uh you know you need to get out of this stuff like and then her line of like you can rest now like yeah. oh that it really really worked for me good yeah it was and, a good call and it, it was like like i said just that scene worked did you have a lot of feels with like you know uh, a, a dad with with hippie facial hair to, to quote the guys in the 70s um you know making the sacrifice play with a little little daughter that that hits you in the heart at all i actually i feel more um him and peter Mm, okay. Hit me harder. Yeah. Um, and again, I my strongest dad feels were the Scott Cassie scene, um, but also the the conversation between um, 
Tony and Howard Stark really did an excellent job of capturing something that I don't think is captured in a lot of movies or TV shows, which is the abject terror of <laughs> um, like preparing to be a parent and then like still being a fairly new parent. Um, the abject terror of like, I am not at all up to this. Yeah. And I have no idea how I'm going to make this work. I have no idea if I'm prepared for this. Um, I think that scene actually really captured that really well. And it's not an easy scene to do because, um, you know, the, the dad sacrificing himself so the kids can live on. That's been in a thousand movies. You know, we've sure. seen that a thousand times. But the, you know, the am I up to this kind of person to person conversation is rare. And I thought it was really well done. Okay. Uh, so I have some things about my notes here about like looking ahead okay let's look ahead anything you want to a little uh a little i and i don't want to look ahead too far um we did we we got plenty of time for that in you know in the ahead times uh obviously it's been confirmed now that like i was a little confused where the parker you know like why is parker all of parker's classmates there like they and i was like i guess they all were snapped that's the sort of thing and they confirmed like yeah all those kids were snapped as well and that's why they're all the same age still but okay. half of his half of his graduating class well not necessarily depending on how you divide things into groups and how you cut those groups in half but the idea is that everybody else did age five years yeah and it's really matters for the kids because you can fudge an adult. Like yes. the difference between you and I being five years apart roughly is not really that noticeable. But for a fifteen year old to be twenty, that's a big difference. Right. As we saw with Cassie, right? Um, which is why that scene was particularly like, Oh my god. Uh I I love the I love the state of the world we ended at. Because you've got the world knows of heroes and aliens. The world experienced this crazy traumatic event that has I mean, the ramifications of they're going to, like, I hope that they really explore the ramifications and, like, the ripple effect of, like, man, like, half the fucking world wasn't, half half the world, half the animals, half everything wasn't here for five years. Yes, and we were just what starting to mean? get used to it and set things up for that, and now right. everybody's back. Right. Uh, you have an out, for lack of a term, Wakanda. You have a new Asgard, which seemed to be public knowledge. Like, well, they only look like they were hiding yep. a new Asgard on Earth run by Valkyrie. Um, and the original crew is, you know, I mean... Hulk's still there, and I guess Hawkeye's around. Well, he seems like he's been wanting to hang it up for, like, four movies. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got a, a group. I just really like, you know, Thor's kind of leaving to go and spa- do space stuff, I think. I think that's probably where Captain Marvel's going to be mostly in their wheelhouse, maybe back and forth a little bit. I just really like the uh, the state of the world because I think it's a complex world, and I think there's a lot of room, and I hope that they lean into it. Yeah, and I like that now the the earth of the mcu is now fully a comic book world right where like you say like superheroes are public knowledge all of them and you know that and that's interesting to me now whereas before it was really neat to like kind of have the man what would the world be like if iron man showed up and that was kind of the way the first couple iron man movies were you know Mm -hmm. um but now i'm interested to see like a mature comic book world which is what the justice league movies tried to do but didn't pull off um and also, I think that if they can lean into it, and this is a big if, this we talked about this way, what our first episode maybe about how like one of the problems with the comic book things is like the world never seemed in like AAA comics is the world never seems to be properly adjusted to yes what's going on. But now that it's set slightly in the future, it's 2023, right? I think in this movie or four, uh, you know, in the five year time right. gap, like yes. we we can get some you know futuristic technology makes a little more sense. Um, 
you know, different things. So, yeah. well, yes and no, because you could also make the argument that, like, well, in those five years where the population was reduced to nothing, like Apple probably slowed down iPhone innovation <laughs> <laughs> That's during true. that period. And, um, but they can really go a lot of different ways with it. Like, they could take the new world and make it as weird or as normal as they want. Mm-hmm. They can really plot out whatever long term consequences they want. Um, they didn't commit to, and this, I think, in the end was smart. They didn't commit to any kind of, this is what the next generation of Avengers is. Yeah. They, they kind of said that, like, oh, Sam's probably going to be the new Captain America. But you could also start the new one, and it's somebody else. And you just chalk it up to, you know, oh, he decided he didn't want it, you know? Right. I mean, we it was kind of weird because, like, he's going to be new Captain America, but, like, we already have this Winter Soldier Falcon show announced. Like, why wasn't it called Winter Soldier and Captain America? Yeah, or it's, maybe it's more about, because, like, there's that sort of back and forth of, like, should it be Bucky? Should it be Sam? Like, I like that sort of dynamic. So, you know, the fact that he was chosen and then, you know, Bucky was along with, like, goes along with it. I'm curious to see what that goes from there. There was very little, you know, to earlier points, like, very little, like, set up for the future. There's some yeah. breadcrumbs, like, Thor may or may not be with the Guardians. You know, it seems like Sam and, and Falcon have something going on or Sam and a Winter Soldier, and, you know, it seems like we still have some of our, our main, like, new main characters hanging out on Earth, Scarlet Witch, whoever, but yeah. uh, there's nothing nothing concrete. Yeah, and I think that part of that is because I think they are going to gauge a lot of fan reactions to this movie and see where the energy is and see, you know, I think that, I think that they're going to come away with, like, people like Thor. So we're going to keep using Thor. They're going to come away with people really like Dr. Professor Hulk. So he's going to keep showing up. And, you know, all right, well, how are people feeling about Dr. Strange? You know, and I think that they're kind of going to gauge that and figure out what the next kind of team is going to like. And um, and I like, and, and honestly, maybe this is, maybe the reason they haven't really, really set up the next one is because they're, um, they are taking their time to figure out what to do next. Or maybe because it's, but but I'm just grateful to have a break. I'm grateful to just have to be able to look back at these movies instead of forward for once, and just yeah. be able to look at this thing and um, and appreciate it in hindsight rather than constantly be doing the algebra of well we saw this in this movie so that implies that we're gonna see this in the next movie and you know it's just nice to be able to look at them as a complete thing. Yeah, I I agree and and we've got this kind of like. This, like you said, this complete whole project. And I think the next phase is going to look different no matter what direction it goes with the introduction of the shows. We have these new properties coming on board. I've seen a lot of people sort of postulating that like the, the giant cosmic energy release from two snaps or three snaps on Earth within, you know, five years is what sort of causes the, you know, mutant gene to become activated or something like that and i'm like "Hmm, i can see that like sure yeah use it like let's let's get it in there like i mean i think there's i i do feel not that i would go back and change anything but because we don't really need to have a continual hamster wheel of like more and more powerful villains uh you know big bads or, or you know problems to face it does feel a little bit like they put all their chips in pretty early with like thanos and the infinity gauntlets like pretty much the biggest of the big bads and the way they dealt with it of time travel and you know wishing the stones away and and all this sort of stuff felt like they really put it all in which i don't think they should have held back but it does make for an interesting thing moving forward of just like well 
compared to Thanos, like Galactus or Kang or Doctor Doom, they all seem kind of like not as impressive, right? Yeah. We also don't want Dragon Ball Z syndrome where it's just like, he's even more powerful than the last guy. Right. It's Cyber Thanos. <laughs> um, but I think that's okay because I think that we don't need to go from uh, Thanos immediately to whatever other cosmic big bad right Mm -hmm. like i mean who was the villain in the first avengers was loki you know yeah like we can go small again because they basically Mm -hmm. hit a big reset button and i think all of us are glad for that and we're like we all will accept you know some smaller scale threat now because also we know that whatever the next team of avengers is a lot of them you know it it, they're they're going to be relatively new and not you know, not ready to take on the galaxy level threat. So it's fine if it's just going to be the fucking mole people or whatever. Yeah, I'm hoping that we have some, I'm hoping what kind of happens is we have some some smaller scale stuff going on on Earth for a little while with Spider-Man, with Black Panther, with, um, you know, where they're going on the shows, with uh, maybe Doctor Strange. I, I assume, you know, I think they said they're making a second one for sure. Mm-hmm. And I, I assume we're going to have a cash in on Baron Mordo with his sort of, He'll turn at the end of the first one. I'm sure he's going to be real happy that the Time Stone was destroyed and did all some crazy magic stuff in this movie. Uh, so I think there's, there's some some room there. And but I, and I hope I think they're going to go out in space for with Guardians and with Captain Marvel and maybe do some some really wacky shit out yeah. there, especially with the Celestials movie coming and all that or Eternals, whatever it's called. Um, yeah, and and they yeah. they set up they set up Adam Warlock at the end of the last Guardians movie. Mm-hmm. A lot of dangling threads that they could still pick up. Um, but I'm glad at this point I don't have to think about a larger master plan. Yeah. Yep. For sure. I don't think we're going to, I don't think it'll come into fruition. I mean, really this plan for Thanos didn't even really occur till I, I guess like age of Ultron, because we didn't said he just threw in Santa Thanos at the end of Avengers. He thought it was cool. Yeah. It wasn't like they didn't have a plan since Iron Man. You know what I mean? Right. This, this, this developed over time. The last, you know, the last phase was, phase and a half was pretty damn planned out which and we knew about it right which is what you've referenced before yeah. but so overall really good movie yeah i thought it was really good i think that um i have some gripes and some quibbles of uh, i could have maybe done this a little bit better a little that a little bit better but um no movie is perfect mm-hmm. you know to me this is a like i would almost argue to people that like you should see this movie um and it's also worth seeing a couple other movies to tee it up. Yeah. Like if you haven't watched any of these, you know, you should probably watch, you know, take a weekend and get caught up and then go see this because it's worth it. Right. It's funny because, you know, after Shay and I, we watched Avengers for my birthday. I got to choose any movie. I watched, I picked the first Avengers because I knew she had seen a couple of it and she didn't hate it, but it wasn't really for her. But she's being supportive. She's a good wife. And she said, well, like, how many movies would I need to watch to get ready to go see Endgame with you? And I was like, well three four like six i don't know but and you know i was sort of guessing right like well you kind of want to watch the main avengers movie to lead up to it and you kind of want to know what's going on with thor um you've seen a couple of the other ones you get those just fine but now i'd be like well i, I don't even know what to say because like they really doubled down on some of the even more obscure or like i mean one whole thing was like a big plot thread from not plot thread but like one of the settings was like thor 2 which is like pretty much regarded as like the least liked movie of the bunch <laughs> Well, and I, I didn't, I haven't seen Thor 2, but I was fine with. Yeah. Like, I feel like they did enough there. I think that, I think it'll be interesting, you know, because there, there will certainly be a um, fandom project 
over, you know, in the interim between now and whenever the next thing spins up of, you know, what is the optimal Marvel MCU catch up like watch list? You know, because mm-hmm. you know how like there are those like kind of fan things about like what is the optimal order to watch the uh, Star Wars movies in? Sure. And there's yeah. like the release order and the hatchet order and the you know all these different kind of theories. Like I think that that will be a thing for this. Yeah, but definitely. I also would not be to well if they hadn't haven't done it yet. I guess they won't do it. But like you could imagine them cutting together some kind of like two hour primer thing. Mm. You know, that would be exclusively on Disney Plus. That's almost a, like, previously on the Avengers kind of thing. But I guess, Mm -hmm. I mean, they didn't do it for Infinity War and Endgame. Like, why would they do it for anything else? But, you know, you could... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, potentially. I mean, like I said, I I could see it on, like, a Disney Plus, like, you know they do those for netflix now you can sort of be like they have like the recaps you can watch which are actually very useful yeah um yeah uh well i won't say i'm disappointed no i felt disappointed but i'm not disappointed if that makes sense and i think i mean the first thing i'm going to do when this comes out is i'm going to sit down and watch infinity war and this back to back because i feel like that's going to be you know i'm I'm glad you did that i think that probably really probably enhanced the viewing experience yeah i think um ah shit i lost my train of thought there for a second um Man, I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, I think that and there's been a lot of talk about this with Game of Thrones, too, is that endings are always endings of either a TV series or in this case, like a movie series. Uh, they're always divisive mm-hmm. because as you approach the end, possibilities collapse. Right. And you always had your vision of the way this particular story was going to end or what you thought this character's kind of final arc was going to be. And at some point, a certain number of people, you know, them betting on this movie's about Captain America's final sacrifice, they're going to get told that they were wrong. And Mm -hmm. just like um, on Game of Thrones this week, a lot of people had their hopes for what the final end game of Game of Thrones were going to be. Those people all got told, sorry, Thanks for playing. It's different. Um, So these things can never be perfect because all of us as fans have certain endings in mind. We have certain things we want from this and not everyone can be right. You know, or in Star Wars, some people want Rey to be a Skywalker. Some people want her to be a Kenobi. Some want her to be a Palpatine. Some want her to be a nobody. Only one of those can be correct, which means everybody else is going to go home disappointed. Um, and if I learn one thing is I learn people hate being wrong. Yes. <laughs> but a certain number of people with something like this are always going to be wrong. Yeah. So when you look at something like this, you have to look at it as, unless you go into it with no investment in any outcomes, um, there's going to be some disappointments for all of us. Right. And also, just like endings are hard in general. Like, yeah. I mean, they're just hard. They're just hard to land. I mean, especially in a in a bigger thing. You know, a movie. It's always easier in a standalone movie because you're doing one thing and you have the ending in mind when you start writing it. But in these in TV and then this, which is since it's very similar to TV, you've always things that can all these practical things that can happen to adjust how your ending goes. Right? Budget. You know, time. Actors you know, leaving or dying or like all these different things like they can happen that can like gut a story potentially. Right. Or, and then like make the ending very difficult or you don't even have an ending in mind because you started this as a one-off thing and it doesn't always work. But I think in this case, the, the careful holding, you know, the, the passion that went into this project, I think is, is felt. And I think that not that it has to play out the same way, 
But for Disney to be successful, well, it, it's not about being successful. For Disney to make <laughs> Disney stuff is I successful. like, Disney will. Disney is success. Period. Yes. <laughs> um, for for Disney to make things that I think are what they should be making in other areas like Star Wars or Indiana Jones, or whatever, you need to bring the same passion and care that they brought to this to those things. I'm not saying you need to follow the same model necessarily, but the same finesse, the same just like absolute interest in in what what this thing is about and i guess with comics and marvel it's a little bit easy because you have this rich history to pull from and it's pretty well felt like what these comics are about where star wars is like eh, i don't really know what star wars is about yeah. like half the time right but counter example the dc movies have a rich history and plenty to draw from true they got that wrong true. um i think that star wars has its own problems that disney i don't think is fully ready to grapple with i think that the marvel Marvel movie brand was very well established. Plans were in place, I think, when Marvel acquired them or when Disney acquired them. Mm-hmm. With Star Wars, nobody really knew what to do with Star Wars until Disney bought it. And then Disney's mission was to revitalize the Star Wars brand, whereas Disney's mission with Marvel was to just keep the good thing going. Right. Um, and I'm not sure Disney's been super successful in um, revitalizing the Star Wars brand. I don't think they've had as clear of a mission as the Marvel movies have had, as clear of a concept of what Star Wars is um, in in today's world. And I think that you can look at those two things as a comparison and say, like, yeah, I think it's it's not so much about the source material and it's more about what was the vision going into this. There was a right. strong vision going into Mar- to the Marvel movies by the time it was acquired, and there was no vision for Star Wars when it was acquired. And I would argue that there's not a lot of vision right now either. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't appear that way. I mean, I've been saying that since since The Force Awakens, really, but particularly, particularly The Last Jedi, which even not disliking that movie, it just felt like there's a lack of vision. Uh, but we don't need to talk about Star Wars anymore. We're going to be talking about that. Yeah, are, you in... baiting, are you baiting me into telling you why the, getting into another conversation about how Last Jedi might be the best Star Wars movie? Because we're not going to do that tonight. No, 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 no. <laughs> we're all, nah, we're already like please 45 don't. minutes over where we plan to be. <laughs> Well, you know, that's what we do here. Uh, you got anything else to say, Greg? I don't. This was a good movie. Um, I think they did it. They they took an impossible thing, and they, they only got 90% of the way there, but I don't think it's possible to get 100% of the way there on something like this. Um, I was very pleased with this movie. Very happy with it. Yeah, I I think I, I would agree. Uh, and I I think that it will only get better with future rewatches in, in the context. So, yeah. All right. Well, then... Uh, I'm going to say this is it. We're done talking about Marvel movies forever. We're done. It's over. Forever. Never again. 